Hey, good morning. The immortal Devin Shad. How are you, brother? <laughs> Very mortal. <laughs> Very mortal. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. And we are delighted to have a very, very special guest with us on a very, very special topic. So, Steph, it is the year of St. Joseph in a particular mm. way. And we just crossed into spring. Which of us do not uh, are not pining for grace to be outpoured in the, the light and the warmth of the sun as the earth turns toward the sun, so our hearts and souls are turning towards God after a, let's face it, a tumultuous season, a tumultuous mm. year. But let's keep it real. All of salvation history is this movement of God betrothing his people, of us turning to him in that divine romance. And he gives us these saints, right? He mm-hmm. wants to, to work through us to accomplish his salvation. And in a particular way, today we've got a guest who is close to the heart and mind of God, but in St. Joseph in a particular way. So, Devin Shot, we warmly welcome you. How are you doing today, brother? Very good. Thanks for having me. So awesome to have you. So folks, today um, we want to direct you right out of the gates to some of the amazing work that is, it's transformative. The books mm-hmm. and uh, the apostolate of uh, that, that Devin is involved with, you can find out more at fathersofstjoseph.org, and that's S-T-Joseph, so F-A-T-H-E-R-S-O-F. S-T-J-O-S-E-P-H dot org. Good job there, I know, Gary. not bad for a homeschooling dad, <laughs> huh? Awesome. So, folks, we're going to get to Devin uh, in just a moment, but I want to set this up because increasingly we are a people in need of just clarity, right? Mm-hmm. With the clouds of confusion, we're looking for clarity. And as we're beginning to hopefully think about vacation, getting out or just getting away, right? To experience life beyond the cubicle and to trust in God to be transformed from a culture of fear to faith, to take those steps in faith. We really encourage you with that. So the image of uh, a road trip, if you will, and I'm speaking to you dads, but moms too, it involves kind of three things and they're applicable to this conversation. One is clarity on the destination. Are we clear on where we're going, or shall I say, where we're called to go? Number two, are we clear on where we're at right now relative to where we're called to go? And thirdly, do we have a plan? Do we have a path? You know, do we know the map that's going to direct us to get there? Because I would submit to you that all of these conversations have these three elements in common a destination, being brutally honest with where we're at and attending to that, uh, the journey, the map. And Devin is very plugged into this in a particular way um, with the guide, if you will, of St. Joseph. Certainly God, the Father, those of you who just switched over from Van Halen and Led Zeppelin, we welcome you here. <laughs> we're going to keep it real uh, about the call to fulfill our ultimate nature and our destiny. And uh, we want to keep these three questions at the forefront um, and be mindful that God gives us Images. He gives us examples. If you're an aspiring football player, uh, maybe you're looking to Aaron Rodgers. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Packer guy, so I'm gonna, you're going to look to somebody who has an excellence that you aspire to have. Well, in the case of sainthood, we are all appointed and anointed to be saints. There's nobody in heaven who is not a saint. So this is our ultimate destination, and I would submit to all of us folks who are listening, we will not be fulfilled. We will not have that fullness that God designed us for if we are not aspiring to be saints. So let's keep that in mind. And now I'm going to have Stephanie set up the classical Schleter Ignite Radio Live question and introduce our guest. Wow, classical. 
classical. I'm it's all become about classical. Classic. <laughs> no, we love faithful listeners, as you know, to claim the scripture, Revelation 12, 11. They defeated the enemy by the blood of the lamb, our holy mass. Mm-hmm. What a gift as Catholics. And by the word of their testimony. We are called in little and big and in every way to proclaim our testimony, God alive in us, what he's doing, where he has brought us. And again, sometimes we think it needs to be this grand story. Well, the grand story happened on the cross. Mm. That's our true testimony, right? That's our true conversion story. But it's in the ordinary ways and um, that the extraordinary grace comes. So, Devin, we would love to hear the words of your testimony and giving us a little bit about your background and, you know, how you came to this place today. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, that's a big question. <laughs> but I, I think we're we can begin at least on the road to St. Joseph and fatherhood would be, uh, well, it was probably about five years after I was married. Um, my wife was pregnant with our third born uh, daughter, Anna Marie. And Anna Marie was born at 28 weeks premature. Mm-hmm. So she was very, very small. Uh, like her leg was like the size of my index finger. And wow. she spent a month in the so neonatal beautiful. intensive care unit. Uh, they were able to get her lungs and her digestive system functioning after about a month. And mm-hmm. we had our little Anna Marie. We took her home. We had our daughter, our third daughter. And within five days, she contracted a cold, which was RSV. It's a, it's a virus that attacks mm-hmm. premature infant's lungs. So we whisked her back to the hospital. But, of course, they, can't, they couldn't readmit her to the, the NICU unit because it was isolated. So she went to the pediatric unit. And the nurses there right off the bat just said, We've never seen a baby this small before, and they just weren't prepared. The Mm -hmm. hospital wasn't prepared for it. And so within days, she was starting to recover. Everything was going well, but long story short, there was some nurse neglect. She suffered 10 hours of apnea, Uh, uh, hypoxic event, uh, and that oxygen was transmitted to her brain. And so by the time they medevaced her out to a children's hospital capable of taking care of her about two hours away, she uh, suffered three clinical death experiences and permanent brain injury. Mm. And so while she was on life support and everything was going on, my wife just said, you know, because at that time I was just extremely focused on launching my own business. I had just surrendered my life to Jesus Christ uh, several years previous to that. And I was kind of like on fire, but it was a prideful on fire. I was Mm. very much about myself. and, And I think, you know, in all of that, my wife was like, I just need you to come home and be a husband and a father. Mm-hmm. And I really saw fatherhood as just a second-rate vocation, as something that kind of happens to you. It's, it's more like, okay, I'm attracted to this woman, and I love her, and hey, we're starting to have kids. Great. Mm-hmm. You know, but <laughs> I didn't see it as this, this great, noble calling, you know, and, and uh, I, but, you know, having my own business and trying to develop wealth or notoriety or prestige, that's all that's all better. Right. Mm. So, um, so that was kind of my focus. And so I, but I, I, I tried to do the best I could. I went home, so to speak, and tried to be a great husband, great father, but I didn't have a clue what that meant. And so I started to languish and really kind of fall into myself, like in a dark place. And a friend of mine noticed this. And so he invited me to go on a pilgrimage with him halfway across the world to Medjugorje. Mm. And, he paid for the trip and everything. And wow. um, 
And uh, so while I was there, it was it was kind of I went twice. He he paid for actually two of my trips, believe it or not, because God the first him. one I had such a bad time. God oh. bless friends. <laughs> but, but it was during That's the first trip. Yeah, he's great. But uh, while I was there, I was really struggling. I'm like, God, I feel like there's this intense calling on my life. I feel like there's more, but I'm kind of stuck because I'm in this vocation. Uh, and I didn't even call the vocation then. I'm just, you know, married. I, you know, what am I supposed to do? And there were two things that happened on that trip that were really pivotal. One was I was, I went to confession and was explaining some of this ache to this Dominican friar. And he said, you will become a saint by means of your vocation, not outside of it. Mm. And that just like Amen. rocked me. Yes. Because I was like, what did, what, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, uh, thank you, you know, Lord. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, and I think a lot of times we look at, okay, how am I going to show myself and perform even in church ministry? How am I going to perform in the world? How am I going to leave my mark, my legacy, all this stuff? And we think that that's like the call to greatness, but the vocation, obviously coming from that Latin word vox, is the voice of God, vox, mm. the voice. And so the vocation is the path, that path that God has really called us on by means of either, you know, priesthood, religious life, being single for the kingdom, using your talents, whatever it is, we all have our vocation. And for me, it was being a husband and father, and it wasn't going to be outside of that, that God was going to make me a saint. And so that was the first one. The second one was, I was, uh, I got in a conversation with Father Yozo's translator, Nancy, and Nancy's an amazing woman. She's mm-hmm. a wild woman. She's crazy for the <laughs> Lord. Crazy for the Lord. And, uh, and she didn't, you know, we didn't really know each other, but I was talking to her about, you know, this desire to serve the Lord, but I didn't know how to actuate it. I didn't know what to do with it. And she said, are you married? Yeah, I'm married. And, and she says, you know, so obviously the priesthood's off the table at that point. I think mm-hmm. that's what she's thinking. Right. She says, well, do you, do you have children? And I said, yeah, I've got three children. She said, she said go home and be St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. Wow. And wow. It, but it didn't feel good. Like when she said it, it rocked me, but it didn't feel good. It was like all I could see was, okay, those stained glass windows of this bald-headed right. old guy <laughs> who <laughs> loves flowers. And he's like really shadowed. And all the light is on the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yep. And Jesus. very pietistic. And Mm-hmm. Yeah, just not interested in being an old man who has no <laughs> virility. Carrying a lily. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, the flower guy. So, <laughs> um, so nevertheless, I, you know, in all that process, I was, I was really consecrating myself to our Blessed Mother, handing myself over, which was very hard for me, very mm-hmm. difficult. That was a major challenge. But through that process, you know, I went home, and it was almost like she, I felt like she was saying, I want you to meet my my husband. I want you to be mm. my spouse. Ah, beautiful. And it was, from that point on, it was amazing because for like the next four years, I was like on download with uh, just these reflections, these ideas mm. coming from the scriptures by comparing St. Joseph to the Old Testament patriarchs. And so mm. I set out just to write a, a little book to myself, and, and that's sincerity. I, I really wanted to capture sort of like a theological vision of fatherhood uh, for myself. So I wrote Joseph's Way, and then a friend of mine was sharing it with him. He actually, without me knowing, he, he shared it with a publicist 
who shared it with Ignatius Press without me knowing, and Ignatius Press called me <laughs> and surprised to publish the book. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then, and so that was like the beginning of mm. the Apostolate, really, in a sense. Although we had started like a local chapter, I think it was going to be like five to seven guys just reflecting on this stuff, and our first meeting was like forty guys, and awesome. and we just never looked back. So. It's just been amazing, mm. you know, amazing journey. So you have uh, the phrase, to Jesus through Mary, and you were blessed with, to Joseph through Mary. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and so what's so beautiful about, about this is it's just opened up a whole new spirituality for me, because really, I, I believe, yeah, there's tons of great consecrations to Our Lady, um, and there are great consecrations to St. Joseph. But really, ideally... We need to, you know, the imitatio Christi. We need to do things as Christ did it. Yes. And, you know, and when Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they brought Jesus to the temple, you know, after Mary's 40 days of purification, and they together consecrated Jesus to the Lord God, mm-hmm. you know, to Almighty mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. for His mission, for His destiny, for everything. And so for me, you know, my whole thing is is Holy Mary, Mother of God, St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse, you know, as you did for Jesus in that temple, consecrate me to the Lord our God that I might be set aside for holiness, that mm-hmm. I might be set aside for a sacred mission. So these, these, they're my parents in the order of mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so salvation came through this union, and, and we are presented through this union to the Lord our God. So in Christ, with Christ, through Christ. So this is what's so beautiful is when we take them as our parents in the order of grace, suddenly they obtained for us this incredible gift to become ever new, ever more fully Jesus Christ, you know, incarnate, you know, at mm. least his presence in our lives. That's awesome, Devin. So cool. Folks, you're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Very blessed to have my dear friend Devin Schott, uh, our guest here, who is really the founder. He doesn't like any attention, and so we say this all glory to God as Pope John Paul II would raise his hands in the air when there was applause. So, Devin, you just got to deal with that, all right? So when we <laughs> commend you, just lift your hands in the air. It's all going towards God. But there's a beauty of this, too, is there not, that, that just in that God works through human and material instrumentality and there's something in there about us being mindful of the blessedness that is meant to be blessers. So folks, I want to direct you to fathersofstjoseph.org. The ST is just ST for St. Joseph. Fathersofstjoseph.org. And just a quick um, connector here. Devin and I have known each other really originally through my brother Nathan, Professor Nathan at Hillsdale College now. And uh, Devin is out of Iowa, unless he's moved. He's still in Iowa, I assume. Yes, I am. Until we pull you into the Toledo area. I tease all the time. Devin is that brother that I connect every time, uh, maybe every couple months. And it is always uh, an ever-deepening, enriching. I feel closer to the Father. I feel closer to who I am in God. He is that kind of friend. And as much as I want to ask Devin, hey, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. Sometimes, you know, he, he... He's busy. He can't pick up. I'll, I'm moved to just leave a blessing kind of thing, and he'll call me back, and he'll bless me. And and I will say that, you know, it's interesting is I have not yet seen you. So do you exist? No, I have not yet met Devin, and we talk about the day. And then, of course, found a couple months ago. That, well, I'll go back also. So found out that uh, I was managing marketing for the Champions of Faith project, and uh, the inner booklet of some of you have this really impressive project of Major League Baseball. It's kind of Rocky Balboa meets 
Catholic men being very honest who were superstar Eckstein, Donnelly, Supan, Sweeney. And the designer of that project, one of many uh, very well-known projects, was none other than this guest of mine on the phone, Devin Shad. So that was a, a connection. And then finding out that he is, uh, I don't know if it happened already, but the Columbus Men's Conference, which is one of the most formidable in the country, my dad, Bernie Schleter, and uh, Mr. Wilson, and we've known these folks for a long time. We've just done great work in the Columbus area, Damascus, Dan Demete, Aaron Richards. You, you all know our son, Joseph, who found Damascus Worship Power Center there in Columbus, found out that, that uh, Devin was one of the speakers there. So, Devin, are you, um, has that happened yet? Yes, it has, yes. How did it, we'll get back on track here in a second. So this is just a little bit of a side trip. How did that go? From what I understand, it went went very well. Uh, I think the men were not to use a pun, but were ignited. <laughs> so I think that, good word to use. I think that it went very well. Yeah, God's grace was with us for sure. That's awesome. So, Devin, you use a word, and I want to connect it to a point in your journey. I'm going to use the word consecration. And, folks, I'm going to direct you again to fathersofsaintjoseph.org. And particularly, you're going to see many of these projects that are, um, I-, I want to describe them as roadmaps. They-, they contain both the destination and reflection on where we're at and a map on, on where to get there. This is content that you're going to read. And uh, it's been compared, by the way, to the likes of Jean-Pierre de Cassades abandonment to divine providence. I mean, spiritual classics. Devin's not going to want to hear that, but we are passionately united, are we not, in seeking the kingdom and becoming the most we're meant to be. And that's Devin's heart. And he writes from that perspective. You heard him talk about his family, his daughter. Um, By the way, how many children now, Devin? Five. That's, be- that's beautiful. So we're going to direct you just right now to Custos. C-U-S-T-O-S is a, a book, that one of these books that he's written. He just shared with us before the program that he's written nine books. We'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. But one of these we want to really focus on because Custos is about total consecration through St. Joseph. And you mentioned, um, Devin, early on that you'd had that conversion experience with Christ, but you were humble and honest and acknowledging that it was woven with pride. And I just wanted to take a moment with that and we'll bring it up to the, you know, why is it important to consecrate ourselves, this fuller understanding beyond just these basic affirmations that maybe have an experience, right? A height of a moment of that encounter, that John of the Cross, that initial exuberance that has to be tested through fire, through darkness and through all that. So you read that moment before beautiful Anna Maria was born and all of that went down, um, Explain for us your your kind of awareness of, shall we say, the debris or maybe the toxicity of selfishness or ego in the midst of an encounter experience with Christ. Give us, illuminate that for, for many of us who may not understand that and the opportunity to get through that and go deeper. And then we want to hear about yeah. the second trip to Medjugorje. <laughs> so much on the table. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, well, boy, that's, that's incredible. Uh, let's see. So the idea of, I think that there's a false notion in redemption, and I think it's born, I have many Protestant friends and pastors who are Protestants and all that, so that's that's not the the beef here, I think. But there's a false notion that's been created, I think, about this. When I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, boom, it's all done. And mm-hmm. now I just got to get going with the mission and just go convert everybody else. And I think that that really has even taken hold in Catholic circles. I know it did in mine. And, but I wasn't ready because, you know, St. Augustine says you cannot give what you don't have, you mm-hmm. know, and so to, to give others God, you have to possess God. And I think that, yeah, although I might have had a conversion experience of surrendering my life to Jesus Christ, 
I was still just at the the top of the trail there. I mean, I mm. hadn't even really embarked on the journey. And, and so all the past, you know, all of those patterns of hedonistic lifestyle, licentiousness, and being all about me still existed. And that's where God needs to do all the work on us. And, and frankly, I think it's the, you know, like St. James says, you know, we're perfected. It begins, I call it the four, you know, basically you've got pain and that pain leads to patience. And if you're patient, that will lead to perseverance and that perseverance will perfect you. Mm-hmm. But that pain is the trial, the test, those four Ps. That's the process God wants to us. He wants us to be perfect children, perfect sons and daughters of his, but we have to undergo a series of trials that will detach us from that which we cling to, which is usually sin or our mm-hmm. pride. And for me, I think really what I discovered through all this is that God wants us to be partakers in His glory. Second Thessalonians 2.14, that's what Paul is saying. Mm. Romans 2.7, God wants us to share in His glory, to actually obtain His glory. But where we get off the rails, so to speak, we run the train off the rails, is where we claim that glory for our own. Mm. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. make our body, we didn't make our soul, we didn't, all the intellectual and the moral experience of the ages handed down to us and all this wisdom and stuff, you know, even Jesus says, my doctrine is not my own. You know, I mean, it's mm. amazing. You know, and St. Thomas talking about that says, no one can say anything he's learned is his own, or anything he teaches is his own. And, and so, but we have this idea that we're self-made, Anything that I do, I created, um, and so it's all about me. And I think that when we do that, we usurp God's divinity. We claim it as our own. We want people to come and worship us instead of God. And if I'm being really honest with myself, I'm sure there was a ton of that going on. Mm-hmm. And so what happened with me, though, is I set up a, a kind of like a chapel in my house. I call it my tent of meeting. And hmm. I just, I, 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 I resigned myself to just being little, silent, hidden. I'm like, mm-hmm. Lord, I want to desire you, and I don't want to desire uh, something, use you for the sake of getting something else. Mm. I just want to desire you. That's huge. And so that was a big turning point. And when I embraced being hidden, like in the spirit of St. Joseph, that's when I began to experience massive healing, because no longer was I living for things that shift and fade, you know, wax and wane, like men's approval, significance and worth given by men. Rather, I was identified by who God had, or I, my identity was in who mm, God made you, me to be. Mm-hmm. And so that became the anchor. Now, do I, do I fudge in that? Do I, do I misstep? <laughs> oh, yeah, all the time. You know what I mean? And, and so it's constantly recalibrating and making sure that I'm not living for the glory of men, but living for the glory of God. But the beauty about God, this is a beauty about God, is that even though we make the mistake of usurping it, he still entrusts us with it. You know, I look at St. Peter. See, Peter misused time after time the glory of God, and yet he's the one in the first five chapters of Acts that people are, are dragging bodies in cots just so that his shadow will fall upon them right. so that they'll be healed. God loves to share his glory. Hmm. And, and so that I think, you know, it, as, if I love earlier in the show, you said something about clarity. And I love that because St. Augustine says that glory is clarity. And that clarity is the clearness of our goodness. We mm-hmm. people see Beautiful. the the clarity in clear in clear vision our goodness, and that's God's goodness in us, and that raises people to see the glory of God or to at, at least encounter the glory of God. 
So we cannot hide that goodness, but we can't shove it in other people's faces because, you know, if it's light and God says, let your light shine before men, mm-hmm. we don't shove it in people's faces because we'll blind them, right? Mm-hmm. But we, we light a path so that they can see that path, and that path leads to God. So, yeah, man. Devin, the Holy Spirit speaking through Absolutely. you is just stoking the fire of faith. I just, you know, I'm hungry, right? I'm hungry. And most of us, maybe we've had that initial experience and even down the road and something kicks in. I think the enemy whispers to us and he would want us to think, hey, I'm there. I, I pray. I pray the rosary, right? The quote unquote holiest of us have barely tasted of that. And so you've written, I think, out of that experience and desire for the fullness of the glory of God. So I want to bring us back to this project is Custos, Total Consecration Through St. Joseph. And again, folks are with Devin Schott, uh, fathersofstjoseph.org. And if I could just read um, this, the, the primer here. Custos is a one-of-a-kind 33-day consecration spiritual boot camp that helps men who are or will be fathers to encounter the real St. Joseph, walk with him, and become like him. A unique combination of daily biblical reflections based upon St. Joseph, daily prayers and spiritual exercises, Custos is a powerful way to experience personal and relational transformation. What you'll experience, 33 daily reflections on St. Joseph based on scripture, a biblical walk through the seven stages of the spiritual leader's journey. I like that. There's stages, folks. Just take the first step. St. Joseph's seven foundational principles that apply to every father leader The 33 practices that will help transform your relationship with God, your wife, and your children. Come on, brothers. Which of us aren't yearning for a deeper, more authentic, genuine connectivity to God with our wives, with our children? I am. A spiritual plan that provides a blueprint for the rest of your life and a consecration that most closely follows Christ's example in that he allowed Mary and Joseph both to consecrate him to his father. Tell us a little more about this, Devin. Okay, so let, let's just put it this way. You know, I, you were, uh, weren't you in the Franciscan Friars of Renewal? I was discerning them, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so the attraction there, I'm sure, is that they have a rule of life. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a pattern for holiness, if you will, like the Franciscans, the Dominicans, the Carmelites, all of them. They have this pattern, this rule of life. That's why I love going to monasteries because it's just so orderly and you, mm-hmm. you know what to expect. And But they have it planned out so that you can commune with God, so you can meet God, you can encounter Him and die to yourself. And But I, as a father, I really struggled with this because it's like, oh, sainthood is for the monks and the mystics and it's for the priests and the celibates, you know, the sisters. And what about the human father? But then I realized, you know, Two of the most holy human beings that ever lived on the face of this planet were a mother and a wife and a husband and father, mm-hmm. Mary and Joseph. And so it's like, okay, then if they are the holiest and the closest to Christ in the sense of that hypostatic union, then, you know what, there must be some kind of pattern there. Mm-hmm. And so diving into St. Joseph, really, it fed my my longing to have this order, if you will, this pattern for holiness, a way of life. And I I just say it's one path, four pillars, seven principles, and 33 practices. Mm. And that's what's in Kustos. And so the idea is, is over the years, I realized that based on these four pillars of St. Joseph, that one path is the vocation, the four pillars of embracing, you know, silence, having that rich interior life, embracing woman, bearing her burdens as your own, defeating lust in the heart, um, you know, embracing the child, seeing Christ in your child so your child can see Christ in themselves, you know, and then 
assuming your charitable authority to be that priest, the protector, and the provider of your family, one who offers the sacrifice of himself. It was through those four pillars that I discovered, man, there's all these practices that I could live on a daily basis. And then pretty soon, it became what you see in Kustos, which is this 33 daily or weekly or even monthly practices. And so what's so beautiful about it, though, in my opinion, is it's not just giving up. It's not just negation, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, I'm going to give up this and give up that, and I'm going to do this for the next 30, 60, whatever days. It is, it's more about positive. What am I doing and who am I doing it for? Mm-hmm. So it moves so me just from focusing on my own personal transformation, my own pursuit of holiness, but to actually diving into what really matters, which is not only just the personal transformation, but the relational transformation with my children, with my wife, with mm-hmm. my coworkers, you know, all of this being the priest of my family. And so this is so important because Jesus in his parables time and time again, like you think of the Good Samaritan, you know, you got the Levite and the priest who they don't want to touch the man half dead on the side of the road because then they wouldn't be able to participate in temple service because they would be unclean for seven days, they wouldn't be able to participate, so they leave them half dead on the side of the road. They follow the law meticulously, mm. yet they ignore the relationship, mm. the neighbor. And so we can focus on personal transformation all day long and nail it, you know, follow it, dot the I's, cross the T's. But at the end of the day, if it's not moving us into relational transformation, you know, with my wife, with my children, I'm losing. And so this was the focus. And I'm telling you, it's amazing because we vetted this uh, a couple years ago with men from all over the nation. I mean, regular guys. And we couldn't believe the feedback that we received. I thought, okay, you know, we're just going to try it, you know. And I couldn't believe what guys were saying. This is a blueprint for my life. This is a pattern for the rest of my life I can take on for the rest of my life. I can keep doing this and adding the practices and, and, uh, it's just so hopeful because, mm. like, for me, this is what I live on a daily basis, and I want to share this with other guys so that they can experience the true freedom of living in the glory of Jesus Christ. Mm. Amen. If I could just interrupt you for a second, Evan, um, one of—I'm I'm just going to go off on a pet peeve, <laughs> if you could give me that allowance right now. So we've talked about this on different shows, I think, because there are we are blessed with so many opportunities— in the spiritual realm in our Catholic faith, more and more programs and more and more books and more and more this and more and more that, that we almost have become a church of Catholic program junkies. You know, it's like, what's that next mm-hmm. fix? What's that next high? Where am I going to go with this? Where am I going to go with that? And and it's like, okay, we finished this, the next thing, you know, now. What I'm hearing you say, like heart to heart, and like Greg and I are both like cheering <laughs> by the microphone here, like mm-hmm. just the beauty of living it out and total transformation in that. And like, I love the word blueprint and doing it. And the um, we've, we've had different discussions with some really solid, good, I'll say Catholic men, because it's, that's been our experience. And I know there are women like this too, but who, you know, they attend fill in the blank with the name of the program before mass on Sundays or, you know, meet early mornings to do this program. And then you talk about it and they are not praying with their wives. They're not leading their families. They're not, it becomes this compartmentalized feel good thing. Mm -hmm. And 
it just seems that this is different. This is different, mm-hmm. and it's that encouragement to live it. Our nonprofit is called Image Trinity, and we use the acronym IT a lot, live it. And this is mm-hmm. living it, and that's what people desire. That's what they're hungry for. I'm not saying those things as, you know, maybe it is a little knock on the head <laughs> to wake up to some people, but like just the beauty. This is what the Lord desires. Yes, you know, anything that can draw you closer to his heart and to live your vocation more fully, but to have something that encourages beyond that program, beyond the Catholic hot tub, beyond the Catholic program junkie. Like we just need, we just need to live it. So thank you for doing this. And I love um, your your title. So you're getting to know me a little bit better, Devin. <laughs> Kustos. We cheated. We did. Greg just looked it up, but I was thinking it was it, cu- cu- custody, custom. So I wasn't sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so how did you come up with the title? It means keeper, custodian, guard. Yeah. So, so yeah. In John Paul II, you know, he wrote that apostolic letter. I think back in maybe 1984, um, um, Redemptoris Custos, which is ah. you know basically the the guardian of the Redeemer. Yes. And so the idea here is, and this is what's so beautiful about St. Joseph. You know, a lot of times, yeah, I, I think we just think of him as like he's added in, he just kind of fills the slot, and in that way, Mary and Jesus, it doesn't look kind of unfinished or it doesn't look like a teenage pregnancy gone bad, you know, it's just, right. <laughs> okay, he, you know? Right. Um, you know, so so he finishes it, but there's more, way, 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 way more to it than this. And, and what, without going too deep, we just have to understand, you know, that the, the, the attributes of the Trinity simply are distinction, unity, and fruitfulness. So you got three distinct persons, or the Father and the Son, who live in the unity mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. They're one. They're total self-giving love for all eternity. They're literally in the other for all eternity, mm-hmm. like just one. And from that unity is life and love, bliss, rapture, ecstasy, creativity, power, all that spills out. Well, God says, I love the idea of humanity so much that when I create man and woman or man, humanity, I want them to image me. So I'm going to do it in my attributes. I'm going to create them in my attributes. Distinction, man and woman, hetero, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not homo. They mm-hmm. have this need for one another. They come together in union. You know, the one flesh union, ideally, you know, that's the beginning. But then from that union, there is spiritual life, physical life, and mm-hmm. there's that creativity, there's that power, that, that's bliss, and that's the IT, the IT, the tr- image trinity is yes. that you guys are all about. <clears throat> and so here it is. What is St. Joseph? Joseph is not only the guardian of Christ, which is a big deal. He's not only the guardian of virgins and the blessed virgin, which is a big deal, but he is the guardian of the mystery of the trinity mm-hmm. in the family. Mm, I love that. Huge. Love it. huge. And and so so that's what every dad, every father is called to be. He's called to be the guardian of the mystery of it, <laughs> imagery yes. in his family. <laughs> I get it. Living, yeah, once he starts living it, because he's the guy, like St. Joseph was, I, I love this too, about Mary's humility, the greatest human being that's ever lived on the face of this earth, mm. and God the Son, and how, after the Annunciation, how does God communicate all of his directives to the Holy Family, it's to Joseph. Mm. It's exclusively to right. St. Joseph. And so he's saying, you know what? I, you know, I don't call the qualified. I qualify the call. And you mm-hmm. may not be the most perfect person in this family, but I am going to call you to lead. Mm. And and so 
Joseph continually has to set the pace of self-giving love. He has to take that first step continually. And that's what men, that's awesome. we got to do. Like, because if, you know, in dancing, the man takes the first step. He's not a better dancer, maybe. He, he, maybe, maybe he's not even a, a good dancer. <laughs> Nevertheless, he takes the first step. He sets it in motion, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what we got to do, man, around the house or, you know, in our home projects or just in whatever we're called to do in the service of our wife and our children. We've got to initiate. We've got to take the, set the pace of self-giving love, and then we can begin to live it. That's know, awesome. Devin, i got to throw a Greg Hardball friend question at you just to go back a moment to what Stephanie was saying and gain your insight on this. So uh, we have the Grand Canyon. It's a visual image uh, of this great expanse uh, from two sides. And the grandest canyon, I believe, is this distance between knowing it and professing it, those that on one side, and then living it. And a propensity in a rich faith as our Catholicism is to reduce thinking we're living it because we know it. Because we're, you know, we're nodding our heads when we hear a great talk. And I know you experienced this. I know you know about it. How, how are you seeing effectiveness in moving men who love God, who are praying, who are, you know, if you will, about it from, from the conceptual to the actual live. Do you see the chasm? Do you see the great, this great canyon? Oh, yeah. And, and how, how, what have you learned? Instruct us on how you're seeing men actually lean into it and the difference it's making, not just for them, but for their marriages and families. Okay, yeah. So, for example, um, two stories really quick with this idea of setting the pace of self-giving love. You know, these guys... Uh, the two guys I'm going to mention here, both of them knew and know their Catholic faith inside and out. Okay. Um, but so this one who now operates, functions one of our uh, chapters of Father St. Joseph in the United States, he, at dinner time, his wife would slave away, make dinner every night. He and the kids have an awesome dinner. And after dinner, he would go into his chair and, you know, back in basically read the paper, watch mm-hmm. TV or whatever he did. That's what he would do. And his wife would clean up and the kids would go play. And there was a day, you know, he read Joseph's way, but there was the light came on. And one night his wife was getting up from the table and he was struck with fear. <laughs> he, realized, <laughs> he realized what he'd done. And he said, sit down. And she was like, what? And he's like, you just sit down and you relax. I'm taking over. And but he, of course, he had to involve all the kids because he couldn't do it himself. But right, that's right. Anyway, you got to teach them anyway. But he got those kids in the kitchen from that night on every night for like the last whatever, 11 years it's been now, awesome. nonstop. And another friend of mine, his so every morning he would take a shower and exercise and all. They were daily mass goers and he had a big family. And so he would take the shower, he'd exercise, he'd have his morning routine and all that. And then meanwhile, the wife's getting all the kids ready and doing all that. And he realized it. And he mm-hmm. was like, so he, one morning he got and said, you're taking the shower and you can go for your walk. And, and, and from that point on, he was the one taking care of the kids and get her. And, and amazingly enough, his wife came down with, I think, MS. Wow. And so now mm-hmm. he does that all the time. Beautiful. Like he cooks, he does everything. And this guy, he's got a full-blown career on multiple levels. And wow. I mean, he's, he's actually kind of famous and, and, and yet he is a man of service. And so this is the key. You know, we just heard in the gospel yesterday, John 12, where Jesus talked about glorified, being glorified, mm. you know, all this stuff about glorification. And, and it's very interesting in John's gospel, Jesus Three times, I think it's in John, maybe three, eight, and 12, Jesus uses this word for 
lifted up, glorified. And, and it's hypsao in the Greek. And it actually means two things, lifted up in exaltation as a king would be, or lifted up in torture mm-hmm. as an example. Mm-hmm. And Jesus uses it interchangeably. So what's the point? The point is, is that the glorification comes through the crucifixion, mm-hmm. which comes through self-giving love. And so the practical application from going from knowing and professing to actually living it is, hey, start serving. You know, lead by loving, loving by leading. I mean, in the little ways. And it's so amazing how the ball gets rolling, how at first you might resent it a little bit. You know, at first you feel belittled, but it's amazing what opens up in your relationships. Like with my wife, you know, when she started to notice that I was doing it altruistically the best I could, you know, I mean, I wasn't altruistic. I was just giving it my best shot. And she started noticing I was just trying she came around and would go the extra mile for me. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon the kids are seeing this little dance of self-giving love that mom and dad have. And then they're like, oh, no, no, let me do it. You know, oh, no, Trinitarian incarnate. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. And all of a sudden people are giving and giving. And then pretty soon, and I remember this. This is when my, my first daughter, Mattingly, she was all about this. Mm. But my second daughter, Gabby, is a massive artist. She's incredible. And she's got that artist mentality. So she's kind of like, you know, always playing, having fun and all this. And at this age, she was very young and she, she got upset because we congratulated Maddie on, you know, doing something without being asked. And she's just like, I just don't get it. I just can't see it. And I said, Gabby, you know what? Just pray to have a vision for charity. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know where the words, that had to be the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what she did as an artist? She drew those or drew this little thing, framed it and said, have a vision for charity. Mm-hmm. And she put That's that on beautiful. her little nightstand. I love and that. And that girl today is a massive giver. She's constantly mm. looking for what the next place is that she can give. She can serve. Who needs help? So beautiful. Ever being asked. That's yeah. awesome. That's that's awesome, Devin. I am challenged for any of you men out there. I think maybe even the most basic step is: can we look in the mirror? And again, realize mm-hmm. we're just partaking somewhat of the appetizer, and it's connected to the abundance of, of entering into the sacrificial love of Christ. Sacrifice literally means to be made sacred. And I'm challenged. And I'll say, um, I, I'm generally very initiating and attuned, and my wife is, is, is a little bit of a battle of service sometimes, but my wife is overwhelming in her servant heart, and she's a joyful servant, you know, with our seven children, one in heaven, just joyfully giving. And it's difficult sometimes um, for women who are accustomed to this, I'm saying this to men, you know, women, you're so used to maybe being even the spiritual leader of your household because for whatever reason, the man hasn't learned it, hasn't been modeled to him. What advice, Devin, might you have to men and women to reclaim and step into the light of their appointing and anointing as the husband, as the father of the home, and what that means, that Ephesians 5, Christ laying down his his life for his bride, the church. How can you help men move into that space, and how important is it for women to be attuned to that and to nurture it and allow it to happen? Man, that's... Gosh, do you have another hour? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Holy smokes. Well... Okay, so let's let's uh, let's look at it from. Okay, so I think when I first hear this stuff, like, okay, have a servant's heart, be a servant leader, and all that, I just feel like when I hear that, I'm like, okay, be a wimp, you know, shut <laughs> down all your faculties for fighting, you know, don't, you know, not fighting with your wife, but in general, just being the most, you know, warrior, you know, having the strength. Well, I think that we have to understand in the beginning that where was Adam created? He wasn't created in the garden. Mm. 
Adam was created outside the garden in this unknown, uncharted, undiscovered wilderness. And then God, it says in Genesis twice, like within several verses, that he placed him in the garden. And I think the author wants to make that fact explicit. Hmm. And the garden is hmm. that, as you guys know, the, the symbol you know, in Hebrew literature often is a symbol of woman, you know, her mm-hmm. interiority, her fruitfulness, all that. Mm. So what's the point going on here? Adam, man, is called to stand on the horizon between the external, hostile, you know, uncharted, undiscovered, competitive, challenging world and his, his, and I say this appropriately, his trophy, I don't mean it in a negative sense, but his, the queen, mm-hmm. the woman, the garden, the, the giver of life, the, the one who actually allows souls to come into this world, who can live for the glory of God. He's called to protect that with all of his might. And so he mines, he gathers, he hunts, he does whatever he can in the external world, but he, he, his job is to say, how can I keep her from how can I keep Satan from slithering into that garden? Mm. And so, 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 okay, already roles are being established in a way. And I'm not saying that women shouldn't work, and I'm not saying that a woman can't be president or you know do things better than men. But I'm just saying that we men, we have God has given us given us and ordained us with this responsibility to stand on that horizon and to really be external and internal. And it's very hard for us because when we're external, when we're out there in the world, we can't wait to rest in the domestic garden. And then when we're at the domestic garden, we become restless and mm-hmm. hungry for battle and hungry for competition. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it's so interesting because when we, Eve awakes or, or, or is created, the first thing she sees is Adam. And it's not only Adam, but it's a man who is glorying in her. He's delighting in her. And what does this mean? Woman, her instinct is relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's a relationship where she brings delight to man. And so if we can keep these ideas in our skull, you know, in our heart, then all of a sudden it's not like boundaries are fixed, but all of a sudden I realize my husband, you know, if I'm a wife, my husband is the warrior protector who is ensuring that I can become wholly beautiful, you Mm. know, and he will sacrifice for my beauty, both spiritual and physical and all that. So, And then the woman, she's realizing I, I take delight in relationship with this man, and so I am going to be the most beautiful woman in his world, and I am going to give him sustenance. And that's what Eve actually, I think Eve means uh, delight, but there's this, there's this idea there in the Hebrew that she, woman is life-bearer, but it's not only life-bearer from the physical standpoint, but it's this source of encouragement, deep mm. encouragement and life to man. See, the thing that we don't understand is we're, we're at odds with one another in marriage because we don't understand these things. I don't understand a lot of times. I forget that my wife is my, this great source of encouragement that emboldens me to do these crazy things that I do. And she does. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember a friend of mine saying he's this entrepreneur. He's developed so many businesses, very successful. And he said, I wouldn't have done any of them probably if I didn't have her pointing to his mm-hmm. wife. He said, because she is that strength, that courage, that, you know, is there kenedo in the, in the Hebrew, which means essential counterpart. His, he's got the right hand, she's the left hand. He's the right side, she's the left side. Mm. They are one. And, and that's the power of an awesome marriage. It changes the scope of the church. Mm. It changes the world. Devin, you are so just... Good. 
I, I love you, man. I, I love God's heart in you. And you're like you're like the maitre d giving us a portrait of the banquet. You're 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 showing before us the kind of fullness and richness that God invites us to have in our marriages and families. Wherever we're at. Those of you who are listening right now, maybe some of you are hearing this and you're just thinking, you know, I'm so far gone. My wife and I, you know, we, we go to mass and we pray, but we just are so distant. And our kids, you know, we've lost them. We've lost them to the digital age. You know, we've replaced per, uh, people for pixels, which we know is one of the mm-hmm. greatest battles today. I mean, the real concrete things. If those of you who are listening right now, I just want to tell you. You know, what Devin is speaking about is a truth that God is offering us mm-hmm. and that it does take steps, right? That that it's apocalypsis. It's this unveiling, like the unveiling of yep. the bride and the Hebrew wedding feast. It's it's little steps. And, and I think the big question is to, you know, to kind of look at all of this is what's the next step for each of us? What is that next step on the journey, on the road, going together? And I hear a lot of themes that you presuppose here, Devin. We're going to obviously have to you know keep connecting with you and coming back and, and unpacking because there's such a wealth here that is reaching us so we want to encourage uh, folks to go to fathersofsaintjoseph.org and connect with this I want to go deeper I'm going to get this book Custis uh, maybe even online folks who knows let me know send me an email do you want to do this maybe as a community or the five stations of Annunciation Radio are you interested in maybe a group journey a 33 day group or 30, a 33 day group journey consecration with this that'd be awesome but with a limited time that we have left Devin, I want you to comment, if you will, how do you perceive or how are you responding to the challenges of this day coming off a year of tumult with the ecclesial situation, the political situation, the COVID situation? What are your reflections on this culture and what God is saying to us right now at this time in history? (laughs) Okay, so we're all called for perfection. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to experience himself at such a level that we feel like we're him. He wants that for us. Mm. But as Hebrews says, you have not avoided sin to the point of shedding blood. Mm. And I think lately in prayer, what's really become like front and center is that this yearning to, you know, when Jesus says, I love this. He says, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. And so when we're lifted up in some form of martyrdom, sacrifice, whatever it is, we become a magnet. And mm. I think that that's what's on the horizon. I really do. I, I, and I don't mean this in a negative, doom and gloom kind of way. I, yes, our, our culture, everybody knows it's unsustainable. What our government's doing, you know, economically, it's unsustainable. It's been unsustainable. Mm-hmm. The stock market, it's been unsustainable. We all know this. You know, the morality in our country, it's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. We're, we're imploding. Yep. The, the church, with the absence of real, strong, male priesthood leadership that's willing to sacrifice for mm-hmm. the sake of the sheep, you know, we, we know that that's unsustainable. It has to change. Okay, so, so what's going to be demanded of us? Well, people like you, and that's what you guys, you guys are front and center. You guys will be like what you said, that remember that idea of witness you began with from Revelation. It, I love what it says right there in that scripture passage. I believe it says right there, it says, love for life did not deter them mm-hmm. from death. Mm-hmm. So rejoice all you therein. You know, so the point is, is like, man, there are going to be tons of people who are going to step up and their love for life is not going to deter them from death. They are determined to bring glory to God. And the best way to bring glory to God is hipsao. 
being mm-hmm. lifted up as a as spectacle. And mm-hmm. I believe that that's what's going to happen. But get ready, because after this whole thing with the unraveling of the moral culture and this idea that there's trans truth rather than mm-hmm. transcendent truth and all this stuff, what we're going to do is we're going to wake up 30 years from now and go, man, that was a terrible experience. That was a terrible experiment. And we're going we're gonna to say, why do we know that? Because of the blood of the martyrs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That and is very powerful stuff. Very wow. powerful. Folks, I'm doing an audible in the Holy Spirit. Are you moved to want to join in a large-scale journey, a 33-day consecration as I am in hearing Devin speak, using his book, Custos, Total Consecration Through St. Joseph, as a guide, if you will? If this speaks to you right now, I want you to send me an email, greg, G-R-E-G, at massimpact.us. Send me an email and say, hey, I'm really interested. Or if you're moved, all the more, say, hey, I'm in, Greg. Let's do this. You know, I I want to experience a greater outpouring of God's grace, a greater awareness of his appointing and anointing. I want to walk in this light. I'm hungry. I want to receive or coming out of Lent, brothers and sisters, and into the resurrection as as Devin is speaking. And, uh, you know, Matthew 7 is so instructive. The constant is that we're going to face the uh, the tumult of the seas that are going to be uh, rocking us and shaking us. That's a constant, no matter where we're at. But he distinguishes Jesus between being on the rock and shifting sand. And I think what we're being offered here is clarity on our nature, our identity and mission in Christ, that we can be solid in him. And so let's just really take stock, if you will, on that, really claim that, if you will, birthright in Christ. And uh, Devin, just so blessed to have you tonight. I want to direct everybody to fathersofstjoseph.org with the ST, St. Joseph. So fathersofstjoseph.org. And Devin, I'm going to put you on the spot one final time. If you wouldn't mind, just close us in prayer. Not sure. Heavenly Father, our Abba, Papa, we just praise you because you are not a hoarder. You are not a controller. You do not hoard your gifts. You do not control us. You do not coerce us, but you love us. And as every good father, you want to share with us the greatness that you have. And so we're just so thankful that you allow us to participate in who you are, Mm -hmm. in what you are, in your great gift of self-giving love and this glory that that you are. And we know, Father, by looking at you that fatherhood, the success of fatherhood isn't based on our children's success, because if it was, you maybe would be identified as a bad father, Mm -hmm. but it's based on faithfulness. You are a faithful father. You love your children, even though we've sinned against you. You love us even while we're sinners, and you wait patiently on the horizon looking for us to return home. Mm -hmm. Just to make that one step, you run out to us, and you embrace us. And so, Lord, we just turn to you in this moment, wherever we're at, with the sins that we have, with the petty little envies and jealousies and Mm -hmm. and the prides and vainglory. We just turn it all over to you. We just make that one step back toward you, Lord. Just embrace us, bring us home, so we can feast with you this Easter. Jesus' name, Lord, we pray and live our life. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph, pray pray for for us. us. In the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Folks, so blessed that you've been with us. Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, our special guest, Devin Schott, just taking us deeper uh, into God's plan for our lives through the intercession and the model of St. Joseph in this special year of St. Joseph. Again, I want to direct you to fathersofstjoseph.org. After we completed our conversation, as is often the case, Devin and I continued to talk. Devin, I just want to affirm what Greg had said. Just when you guys have connected the, t- the different times, there has not been one phone call 
to which he hasn't come to me, just so moved and grateful and touched and felt like the Lord just shared something so beautiful and deep through you to him. So thank you for that friendship in the Lord mm-hmm. with him, because yeah, that blesses yeah. us also on a, on a selfish level. <laughs> yeah, and I feel the same way. Every time I talk with you and I hear about your your apostolate, I'm just, first of all, I'm blown away by the vision. And, and actually, not only the vision, but the way that you're practically doing it. I mean, it's amazing, especially with these retreats and the small groups and all that stuff. It's just amazing. And even if it doesn't appear to you that it's big time, it's huge extremely powerful. That's the big mission, Greg. You're you're living it. This IT thing is huge. And the way you've done it, I think the last time I talked with you, you gave me the the 30,000 foot view of the retreat and the small groups of seven couples and all that stuff. And I was like, that is a great model. That is huge. And if you could package that yeah. so that other people could get a hold of that. Like, I love what your wife said, church program junkies. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. But if you could empower dioceses or parishes or even people and communities to do what you're doing, that would be huge. That would be everything. We do invite you to journey with us deeper uh, in our marriages and families. Go to ilovemyfamily.us, ilovemyfamily.us. God has, you know, really made families the cornerstone of civilization by our living it faithfully in our vocations. We're going to see this world transformed. We're going to see the prayers that Christ taught us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Come about by our faithfulness to what he has provided for in every way. Let's claim it in this almost Easter season through Christ. We pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. 